Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Here on 104.9 The Horn, new theme Thursday. That's when the idea you know, Patrick, uh, takes songs. And based on the selections that are played, Harge and I are supposed to gather clues that lead us to the new theme of the day. And it is National Best Friends Day. So all the songs either reference uh, best friends, friendship, or like this, Lean On Me. Almost uh, it's one of the great songs about friendship of any kind. <laughs> yeah. And title of one of my favorite movies. Love the Lean On Me movie. Oh, my goodness. Great movie. Joe Clark. Great movie. Yeah, of all the movies. Very <laughs> of, of all the movies, for, of them trying to, like, kind of rehabilitate a school of some kind, right? Try to revive a school. And it's always either some, you know, minority principal or teacher that comes to the phone. Sometimes not minority. Sometimes it's just a woman. So, like, honestly, yeah. usually minority of some kind. Rarely is it just a white dude uh, that white dudes teach to uh, that are trying to revive a school that is downtrodden and poverty-stricken. And of those themed movies... I would say Lean On Me is my favorite. Oh, my goodness. But there are like 10 or 15 of those movies. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of those movies out there. Like Dangerous Minds? Dangerous Minds is another yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of them. I mean, yeah. you, you get just, I mean, I, I could think of like four or five of them just off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, it's a good movie. I like it. Um, yeah. So there you go. Lean On Me. Also, great song, too. Uh, thanks to my man, Patrick. DJing a uh, new theme Thursday. I also want to touch on the fact that Kirk Dressendorfer, <laughs> lifetime Longhorn, got his number retired this year. He is a Pearland Oiler. So I did not gotta, know that at all. We got to make sure we we represent our man Kirk Dressendorf. Hey, he's uh he's a legendary lifetime, lifetime Longhorn. Long That's right. He's got the legendary status. Got the legendary tag. Yeah, now. He does. Uh, probably should have had it a long time ago, but we'll, we'll long definitely overdue. Long uh, overdue. Yeah, officially start referring to yeah. uh, Kirk as legendary lifetime Longhorn. He's earned yeah. that privilege. Uh, all right, so uh, let's pick <laughs> text line wide open. What to say? This right here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Text line. Five one two three three seven three seven seven six. This is a perfect. The perfect. Perfect. Uh, segue to what we were talking about just a minute ago. <laughs> as a former fall guy, always tell the fall guy when he's being used as the fall guy. Yes, yes. <laughs> agreed. Fall guy would appreciate that Yeah, ahead of time. Yes. Because the fall guy has no problem being he's the like, fall huh? guy. Wait, what? Just got to tell. And the fall guy usually is, has to be single. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because it's been, every, it's been most of the guys in the group end up in relationships, mm-hmm. yet y'all still want to hang out and kick it and hang out and kick it. 
Sometimes you know you need you need an excuse. Yes, can't got a ticket, I mean, and fall guy can be the excuse. Sometimes sometimes you get a phone call or a text from the girl, and you're like, "Do I gotta call him real quick?" Like, hey, bro, why am I getting a phone call? Are we good? Are we good? I have no idea what this is about. No idea what it's about. But uh, yes, you should acknowledge the fall guy, but also let the fall guy know they are the fall guy. And oftentimes the fall guy can also be the wingman. Sometimes they have dual responsibilities within the True. Group, dual True. duties there, wingman and fall guy. That's a lot. Which is why they sign up for it. They sign up? Oh, no, they're cool with it. Usually, you know, can they get a lot of perks for that? A lot of perks from being the fall guy, man. Uh, Because everybody owes you. You're the fall guy. Everybody owes you a favor. Everybody in the group owes you a favor. So you need to move. You need furniture move. You need, uh, yeah, I, need yeah. I need some cash. You're the one here. with the truck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're the one with the truck. Whatever it may be. Yeah. Like, hey, man, you know, don't have me bring up that time <laughs> that I had to be a fall guy for you. And <clears throat> don't have me tell wife your buddy. Hey, you, I, you only I have want all the secrets. Yeah. Yes, you know where all the bodies are buried. Fall yep. guy knows where all the, you like J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> you got all the secrets on everybody, man. You got dirt on people. That's, That's right. good. All right. Uh, let's get to the NBA. NBA's all about dirt, as a matter of fact. Uh, the salacious kind. But let's get to the actual uh, NBA Finals, gentlemen. Game three. Uh, I'll give you guys credit. Both of y'all picked the uh, Denver Nuggets in game three. Hard. You at the stat. What was it? Winner of game three? 81%. Yep. Win Eight. the series. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's a pretty definitive number there. <laughs> big is. number. And that just shows you how big game three was. And it was, it, it was a game that we all got a chance to be witnesses, essentially, to the greatest – Performance by a duo yes. in finals history. Ding, ding, that, ding, ding. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. You're talking about Jokic and Murray. How about this stat? So, Jokic and Murray combined for 66 points, <laughs> 31 rebounds, and 20 assists. The Heat starters, oh all five goodness. of them, combined for 66 points, 25 rebounds, and only 12 assists. They had more. They had as many points and more rebounds and assists than the entire starting five of the Miami Heat. That's how dominant Jokic and Murray were. They left no doubt. First time in the history of the NBA regular season or playoffs where you had two players on the same team, teammates, have 30-point triple-doubles. Never, ever happened. So you think to yourself, I've never seen this before. You're right. You've never seen it before. Unprecedented. Yep. That's why it's a, it's it's unusual. They you left don't no see that. doubt. They exactly. left. They I guess they saw that stat, Harch. They knew uh, about eighty one percent. They were like dial in, dial and, in. Yeah, and between yep. that and Michael Malone, as you said, yep. you got to be Michael. called Michael now because we will call him. He play. Yeah, your team plays like that. We gonna call you Michael. <laughs> right? Your mama call you Michael. We gonna call we you gonna, Michael. We gonna learn to like uh, Michael. Yeah, he had a motivator. He had been complaining about the way his team had played, even though the series was tied one one. He had thought he had gotten poor effort uh, from his team mm-hmm. and poor energy from his team in game two, uh, and even though it was a tight. Ball game, relatively tight. The first half, guys. It, I, I thought it was going to be a classic, epic matchup. Uh, watching the first half, it's like, man, we're going back and forth. It's going to be close the whole way. And then uh, the Nuggets decided to pour it on. And yeah. by the time we got to the fourth quarter, where usually the Miami Heat make their move, they really didn't have any any move to make. No, <laughs> they, they, it, 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 you, they were swimming uphill. They, they really were swimming were. uphill, it and it was hard for them. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, they never were able to find that other guy other than Bam and Jimmy to kind of pace him along. Lowry did okay, but all those Gabe Benson, uh, Caleb Martin, yep. Duncan Robinson, all those guys weren't shooting lights out. Nope. And you need at least one of those, Max Struess, you need one of those guys to just light it up so you can kind of go to them and be like, all right, you be the, the spark plug. And everybody will follow, and they just never found the spark plug. Yeah, like yeah. You, you, you brought this up yesterday, Patrick, that one of the, the threats about them is that they have this, man, that Miami Heat have this mentality that, 
hey, anybody can be the guy. Yeah. Right, you can you you can be the guy in this moment, Caleb Martin. You can be the guy in this moment, Duncan Robinson. Strews, you can be the guy in this moment. And yeah, they did. They definitely didn't have that. And I also give you uh, props, Patrick. We talked about the counter. Uh, what was going to be the counter for Miami in this? Uh, sorry, for Denver in this game on the road. And honestly, it was almost not. I won't not verbatim what you said, but it was really close to your plan of lead with Murray. Yep. Yeah. Lead with Murray. Finish with Jokic. Yeah, that's, that's, you gotta have that's, that. But that, they hadn't done that really because the Miami Heat had been finishing better than the Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets are winning quarters one through three, but they hadn't been finishing as strong in this game. They 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 led uh, obviously in quarters one through three. They I think they did a good job there, but in the fourth quarter, man, they really did choke the life out of Miami, and they you, did it with Jokic. Once you get that, once you got ahead, and what at one point they were up by twenty one, yeah, and they kept putting the pressure on them. But then again, too, I kept talking about the rebounding. They had forty five defensive rebounds. You know what that means? That means that the other team is not getting second chances. Not at all. You're taking that away from them. They out-rebounded them 58 total rebounds to 33. That that part of it right there means a lot. And Effort. the paint. And the paint. Mm-hmm. 60 points in the paint to just 34. Bam out of bio. I got to give him some love. Mm-hmm. He's been playing well. He's been very aggressive. He's he been is. doing a little bit more. But when you get a guy like the Joker – and y'all try to figure out how y'all are going to match up. You got Aaron Gordon, who brought the ball up a bunch yesterday, yeah. making you play the entire court. That's big. And then you got your role players, where we talked about it before, for uh, Miami. Miami's role players, if they are on, they got a chance to win. If they are off, they don't have a chance to win because of the matchups. You got to make sure that you have it. But what Denver had mm-hmm. yesterday from Brown, Christian Brown going out there and doing that, and you brought up the stats about dunks and layups, he was being aggressive and he had that spurt where they needed a pick me up and he was the perfect guy. Mike Malone, oh, excuse me, Michael Malone <laughs> made the adjustments that he didn't make in game two. He made them in game three. Spolstra, you talked about it before. Game one, they let Joker uh, be the facilitator. Mm-hmm. He still got his triple-double. Second game, they didn't. They told him to be the scorer, mm-hmm. and he only had four assists. And you brought those stats yeah. up yesterday about how when he was making the passes, it didn't account for that many points like, like it would for the three-point line. Yep. Yesterday, they had the perfect Perfect solution. Now is going to have to go back to the drawing board and see how they're going to do it. But it goes back to what Patrick was saying. If they don't shoot well from three, they're not going to be in this game. Yeah, and I mean, and we saw uh, Michael Malone throw out where it's like, look, if I'm not getting the effort I want out of Michael Porter Jr. and KCP, guess what? Christian Braun and Bruce Braun and Bruce Brown, Christian Brown and Bruce Brown, they're playing. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I'm putting those I'm because yep. they want to they want to play more. They want those minutes. I'm giving them those minutes. And Michael Porter and Jr. They're earning those minutes. And Michael yeah. Porter Jr. did well effort wise. He just isn't the defensive player he needs to be. So if he can't play offensively, he's a detriment to your team. And he's off. He right was now. he was doing okay help defense, but not great. I will give you a stat that if you're a Miami Heat fan, should worry you going forward of the viability of winning three out of the next four. Or three out of the next five. They had four turnovers in that game. Yeah. They had four oh, wow. turnovers and yeah. were not in it in the fourth quarter. If you have four turnovers in a game, you should at least be in it because you it should means, be winning. Because it means <laughs> you're not giving up the ball. Like yep. you are getting shots every time down the court. You are getting a shot. But yep. they shot so poorly, though. They shot thirty seven percent from the. But floor. that's what I'm saying is so if you're it's playing really everything bad. else and it is completely one hundred percent reliant on you shooting above average to win this series. 
that it's not a great game plan to win that look our good defense we have to play insanely exceptional defense yep. against the best player in the universe mm-hmm. and a Jamal Murray who they found a way to get started. What was the stat you gave about picks earlier? He had they had forty two ball screens for Jamal Murray. Yeah, yeah. And they so they're they're if we have a guy <laughs> that crazy. they know we can jumpstart. Yeah, yep. we, who do we have that we can jumpstart? And that is your answer right there. I need fifty a fifty point game from Jimmy Butler. I need I, I he, don't he tried he he I'll give you a stat about Jimmy Butler to that point. He had sixteen first half field goal attempts, second most in a first half in his career regular season of playoffs. He tried. He just. I don't know if he's he got the play. No, they did LeBron. And Remember he was okay. LeBron? He had 28 points, no, no. but like you said you need superhuman him in. Yeah. You ain't getting that. No, and he had two rebounds and four assists. That's the problem. I need I need triple-double Jimmy, and I need a 50-point, mm. 10-assist, 15-rebound Jimmy. I know that's stupid, but he was doing it last series. He was. But he had, <laughs> and, like said, he's, been, he's been on a decline, though. And, it has, and, it's, and it's that point of, you know, I, if I'm Spolstra, I know you want to – you have to get him mad. Like I get you, you're you've got Bruce Banner out there playing, man. Mm-hmm. Get Hulk out there. I, I'm with you. I, I if they don't have Jimmy Butler playing at an extraordinarily high level, we're talking about like us having the conversation of whether he's the best player in the NBA right now or best player in the series kind of stuff. If he's not in that conversation, they then well, they got no your shot. Other then your gentleman sweep thing comes and, back. And your other <laughs> your big matchup is Bam Adebayo, who's played well in the series. He's he shot played pretty really well. He he shot pretty poorly, but other than that. He he's been playing tons of energy, playing as hard as he can out there, but he's going to be a loss at that position, that matchup. He's going to lose it every single game. Yeah, but at least now he's playing the, against the best player in the world. At least now the the, the difference isn't yeah. like a Grand Canyon but size. You need disparity. you need to win yeah. one position lineup, and you did not win one position in that game, did you? No, you got you, and that's you, a you problem. Dominated. You need Jimmy Butler to come out and be next level. He has not been offensively or defensively that guy in this series. And without that, that's why Jimmy Butler gets flack when people say he's overrated because he has – we know what level he can get to, but he can't maintain it. Jamal Murray's had that issue throughout this throughout his career as well. So this is a big question of if Jamal Murray can keep it up, that starts to turn his story a little bit. Oh, no and doubt. And Jimmy Butler again goes into he's not the guy who can be your best player on a championship team. Uh, no, that's a, that's a good point. I agree with that. Um, one other – uh, topic before we move on here and get to Rod's round of the day. We got to got to talk about Jokic, guys. I mean, this this dude is just a alien. I mean, it, oh. he's a basketball alien. Yes. We've never seen anything like it. He's is thirty twenty and ten <laughs> triple double, first player in, in finals history with a thirty twenty and ten uh, stat line. Third of his career in the postseason, though. Mm-hmm. That is one more. All right, his three. 30, 20, and 10 triple-doubles in the postseason. His three of those are one more than the rest of the NBA combined in the history of the league. Kareem and Wilt had 30, 20, and 10 stat lines once each in the postseason. Jokic has done it three times and now did it in the finals. 30, 20, and 10. He is, like I said, it's... I hope now he becomes more of a mass. He has more of a mass appeal. Oh, he's mass, all right. <laughs> I know just that I hope that people who aren't just basketball yeah. fans and sportsmen, like when you you become the best player in your sport, yep. you are supposed to be able to attract fans who are not necessarily fans of that sport. They're just they're just fans of greatness. 
Right, yeah, nope. like you know, what I mean, like I, I'll go. Well, I'm not a huge soccer fan, but hell, if Lionel Messi comes to town, I'm gonna be one of the people. Like, can I get up in there? Yeah, can I get up in there and watch one of the greatest soccer players in the history of the world? Yep. Right, you don't have to like the NBA to want to watch LeBron James play. <laughs> right, and you don't have to. You don't have to like the NFL to want to watch Patrick Mahomes go out there and make magic happen and watch artistry uh, at work. There, I hope he is starting to have that type of appeal and attraction because he is, there's no doubt, he is arguably, I think, maybe the most skilled player in the NBA. The packaging is just so obtuse and unorthodox. Yes, and, he's, <laughs> and he's like somebody that looks like you. You know what I'm saying? He's a likable dude. He is likable. He's yes, a, you, you watch the way his teammates interact with him. All he care, you know, we talk about Jimmy and how he's all about. All I care about is winning. I can take these guys and do this, and that's the same thing Joker's doing. But to your point of what you said about the winning part of it, it's like there's nothing exciting about him. He's not gonna wow you with his post game uh, interviews. He's just gonna do. Hey man, all I care about is winning and getting my team involved. They've done a great job. They've done all this. Hey, you're the first person to ever. No, it's okay. It's not. It's just a stat to me. All I want to do is go out there and play hard. And the beautiful thing about it is, this guy's touch is so unreal. It's like I've watched basketball for a very long time. There's been some beautiful finger rolls by my man George Iceman Gervin. You've seen Dr. J get real close to the basket and throw some things in. Every time he takes a shot, you think he may miss it, but it hits nothing but the bottom of the net or it bounces around and it just goes down. I heard the shooter's touch, man. Yeah, the entire time. And then I heard last night they were talking about him having the ball above his head like Larry Bird. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. Nobody's going to block that. You see it. It's so far back, and he'll throw something up, and it's just like, there's no way. that Did that just go in? Mm. Yeah. He's no, got and I mean, great touch. His touch, when you look at it, the player you look at is Steph Curry. It's that oh, type of touch around yeah. the rim. It where really Steph, is. And when you go, it's another touch. elite player, Yeah, but that's that type of touch that he has. And when you see it, it, it's just phenomenal to have that type of body control on a guy that size. That you would just never expect because as much you can go, it's not athleticism, it's not anything like that, mm-hmm. but it is this innate hand-eye coordination and body control that so few – there's more athletic people than people that have that body control. Right. So right. it's, it's – yeah, that's the thing is there's, yeah. there's plenty of people that go, I man, I can run real fast, I can jump real high, but to be able to go, all right, can you with your left and right hand be able to put the ball up like this, can you – can you stop on a dime and move a different – like, can you do all of those things? They go, well, no, that's that's harder. You go, yeah. So he doesn't have that athleticism part. But that could be a benefit for him because it means his game doesn't have to change in the next five, six years. It will age gracefully. Yeah. yeah. Because it what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Jump lower? It's a skill. He's a, he's a skilled athlete. You're <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So no, it's, it, is he going to lose speed in the next few years? <laughs> right. What are you worried about from him? How much slower can he get? Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're just worried about injuries. But other than that – there's really he has a solid path to be this dominant for years to come. And I pointed this out cuz I and I totally agree with that. It's just it is so weird to see somebody like that size, yeah. <laughs> that mass, that that bulk and like you said he it's 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 like a he's like a ballet dancer at times man how he can move and how light he is on his feet, but that'd be like a polar bear yeah. out there ballet dancing. That's kind of what it reminds me of. But keep in mind cuz this we're starting to see him peak now. So we're saying we're all agreeing he's just peaking now. Oh, and yeah. this and this peak prime could last 
I don't know, four or five years potentially even right now still. And Patrick is, is hinting that he's going to age gracefully. So it won't even be a precipitous drop off. We're yep. going to watch him kind of a, 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 in a gradual decline over the years. So, so keep these stats in mind. I brought these up before. This is before the playoffs, uh, before the sorry, before the finals started. This is before the finals. Among players with at least 2,000 career playoff minutes, Jokic ranks 13th in both assists per game and rebounds per game. Remember I told you guys no other player was in the top 30 of both of those stats. Larry Bird was the closest. Horace just brought him up. Mm-hmm. He was at 22nd in assists and 32nd in rebounds. And Jokic, by the way, in points per game, 6th among that group with at least 2,000 career playoff minutes. He's averaging close to 27. In these finals, the man's averaging 33. <laughs> He's definitely yeah. averaging a triple-double, 33, 14, and 9.3. And also keep in mind, if you look at Bill Simmons' famous 42 club. That's when he combines points, uh, rebounds, and assists. He just combines that. If that's your average, you just, he calls his 42 club. If you go look at that, the only players that uh, basically kind of rank ahead of Jokic, the three players that are, that are ahead of him, that's the one player ahead of him, is Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> in talking about career playoff sum of points, assists, and rebounds. He uh and behind he's behind only Wilt and the only players that are right behind him. Um, you go look at it, LeBron, MJ's in that conversation too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um you go look at players with at least a thousand playoff shot attempts. Jokic ranked second in fifty seven percent effective field goal percentage. Um, that's behind Dwight Howard randomly is at 59%. Um, you look at true shooting percentage, 61%. Uh, he's behind only Kawhi Leonard and Kevin McHale. Um, if you go look at uh, players who, uh, and by the way, his three-point percentage is kind of freaky too because um, his career playoff three-point percentage is 41%. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So think about that. Basically, his three-point percentage playoffs is 41%. He's shooting 44% right now. So he's second in career playoff three-point percentage among players with at least 1,000 field goal attempts. He's, he's second. He's ridiculous. Second. He's ridiculous. If you go look at clutch shooting, this is before the finals, he was 15-32 in shot attempts in the last three minutes of playoff games with the score within three points. That 47% mark was tied for a fourth all-time um, among the 45 players with at least 30 such side attempts since 1996. So he's clutch, too. But, okay, playoff uh, plus minus, only Mike, if you look at offensive box plus minus, career playoffs, only Michael Jordan is better at 8.8, and Jokic is at 8.1. He's right ahead of LeBron James at 7.5. And if you look at PER, play efficiency rating, which is probably the most accurate cumulative stat out there, uh, Nikola Jokic, is the playoff career playoff leader in the NBA in history in player efficiency rating in the playoffs at 28.9. Michael Jordan's at 28.6. LeBron James at 27.9. Yeah. He's he's unbelievable, man. <laughs> and that's before these finals. He's our, so he put up crazy numbers in these finals. So I'll, I got to go look and see where he's going to be after all that is said and done because he's probably going to be – Close to top ten in all of those stats. Not yeah. I'm talking about even the ones I brought up earlier. I said he was like, but that, he is a walking, like, cartoonish video game stat. Video game is yeah. exactly right. It's, he is two K. Remember we were talking the other day about NBA Jam. He's heating up. That's that, him that every him. game. Yeah. That's him every game. My boy just texted me and said that Mark Jackson 
says he's he says somebody in the park that he got to hit a shot on him that would be looking like he'd be smoking a cigarette. <laughs> no, he, he said he said he hit that shot, and he goes, every time he takes a shot, it doesn't look like it's going to go when he hits it. Mark Jackson said, back in when I played, I had an old man that hit that shot on me with a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Out the side of his mouth. Out the like side, boy. Just talk over here and talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> talk out the other side of his mouth. Go over there yeah. and play with them boys over there. Don't play with me. I'm grown. <laughs> was he shirtless as well? Or did exactly. he just wear like, the undershirt back in the day? Oh, he just had the wife beater. Though. Yeah, exactly. He's See? like um, yeah. Marcus Johnson in. Uh, white man can't jump. When I come back, I'm getting everybody in here. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Oh, wearing, gosh, wearing, did you guys like, watch the new white man can't jump? I have no. not. They they butchered that scene. Come on. They butchered it. Come I'm on, like not I just spoil did it when I was you. trying to say it about Mark Jackson. They butchered <laughs> that scene. They messed with it. They shouldn't have messed with it, and they tried to tweak it to make it a 21st century kind of re- – and it was, it's terrible. He's, he's got a vape. Oh, it's worse. <laughs> I hate to spoil it for people. It's terrible. No, it's it's really bad. Because that's like an iconic scene in that movie. And it's 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 not even believable what they did in that movie. It's actually one right. of the worst scenes in the movie. Right. It might be the worst scene in the movie. I'm not joking. That well, was I can't so wait to watch it. I'm going to watch yeah. it, though. It's actually not a terrible movie. Okay. I told you guys that. I, was, okay. I expected to be disappointed, and I was mm, pleasantly uh Surprised. How was your okay. dinner, Rod? Didn't throw up. Exactly. That's, <laughs> and you know what? If I expect to throw up, the dinner was okay. It's all about your expectation level. All right, we come back. We'll get into a uh, little Texas football slash Texans football. Ooh. We'll talk about why, how those schemes are linked. We'll talk about that coming up right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful Down the Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. I want to talk about a concept that is uh, extremely popular in football, and we see it a lot on 40 Acres, and you see it a lot at the NFL level. Um, and uh, the Texans are actually going to use a ton of this concept next season based on the reports I'm reading. Um, the pre-snap motion rates, pre-snap motions and shifts are going to increase exponentially for the Texans under Bobby Slowick because Bobby Slowick is a Shanahan disciple, and people from everybody from that Shanahan tree, they kind of learn the value of pre-snap motion. Even getting to you know Sark, who also is influenced by the Shanahan tree, he's a big uh, advocate of pre-snap motions and shifts. And he's around probably 55% pre-snap motion and shift rate for uh, Steve Sarkisian. And we'll get back to that as to why uh, Sark's conceptual signatures are, are linked to that Shanahan tree and also to Bobby Sloak, the new OC and play caller for the Houston Texans. So I was doing some research on C.J. Stroud because Texans franchise court, new franchise quarterback C.J. Stroud, um, he is, you know, going to be, I, I think he's early on, he's going to have some growing pains just because I don't think the Texans have a lot of weapons for him in the passing game just yet. I do think you know, Tank Dell, hell, even Xavier Hutchins, some of those young wide receivers are going to uh, really show up for the Texans early on. I think they're going to be productive early on. But I don't know how prolific the offense is going to be. And remember, Bobby Slowick coming from the Shanahan offense, they want to run the rock. And I think the best friend, if you will, of a young, inexperienced quarterback that you're trying to develop the training wheels of a running game. And I think the Texans, who have Damian Pierce, one of the best young running backs, probably the best rookie running back in the league last year, it definitely in that conversation, he'll help 
you know, transition, provide a, a comfortable kind of uh, pad, if you will, and really be able to help C.J. Stroud get into a groove. And you want to rush him. You want to expedite his development. But I, one thing I found interesting doing some research on C.J. Stroud, and I shouldn't be surprised by this, but he's really good when he's uh, playing with uh, within an offense that utilizes and weaponizes pre-snap motion. And here are his stats with pre-snap motion. He's, he's completing 72% of his passes anytime he throws a pass in a play that had pre-snap motion. Um, averaging nine yards per attempt. Uh, he is, has 17 touchdowns. This is all last season. 17 touchdowns, one interception, one, 135.7 passer rating. He led all FBS quarterbacks in passer rating on plays where they had pre-snap motion. And just based on that and based on Bobby Sloyd coming from the Shanahan offense, because all po- all signs point to everybody who's influenced by Shanahan, they all end up running a ton of pre-snap motion. They learn all the benefits, the advantages of using that cheat code. And nobody has used more pre-snap motion since 2017 than Kyle Shanahan. He's number one. Uh, and that's Sean McVay, I think, is number two. They're like one and two. They're right there really close to one another. And Bobby Slowick, of course, never called plays, but learning from Shano, I can tell you right now, that's kind of probably going to be a really high pre-snap motion rate for him. And that, that that's a really good thing. And last year, uh, San Fran was number six. Actually, Miami was number one. But Miami's offense comes from? Shanahan coaching tree, <laughs> Mike McDaniel. All right, so he also learned the benefits of pre-snap motion, and the Rams were number three last year. Uh, so I guess the protege becomes the master because they're actually running more pre-snap motion than the San Francisco 49ers. You know who's fifth? It's going to be good for Bijan, Atlanta. Hey, now. Yeah, Atlanta runs a ton of pre-snap motion. Hey Just trying now. to confuse and discombobulate the defense. Now, remember, a shift is different than motion. A shift is when you move and then you reset. Motion is when you move and you never reset. All right? I combine them both, motions and shifts, when I do it. But some people, they like to differentiate, and I understand that. And, but getting back to the Texans. Because I gave you the C.J. Stroud numbers, how great he is with pre-snap motion. And I just gave the numbers on the influence of Bobby Slowick with the Texans and why he is going to use a ton of it. And, you know, I, I started looking at all of the different offenses that are influenced by the Shanahan clan. And there's a great stat that really does link all of these uh, Shanahan-influenced offenses and those from the coaching tree. Here's the stat. And it's a, it's a stat that's a five-year stat that I've been keeping up with. So since 2018, there have been eight quarterbacks to have a pass-catcher connection with that averages over um, that averages over three yards per route run. All right, so come a quarterback to receiver combination that averages three averages over three yards per route run. To give you perspective on that. Justin Jefferson, uh, last year, some people say the best receiver in the NFL, 2.62 yards per route run. Mm. Uh, Tyreek Hill is the only receiver in the NFL last year that averaged over three yards per route run. He was at 3.2. He's, he was it. That was it. Nobody else in the NFL averaged over three yards per route run. Just let you know how elite that is. So since 2018, there have been, you go look at there have been eight quarterback-to-pass-catcher combinations to average over three yards per route run. Listen to these. 2018, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. 
2018, Nick Mullins to George Kittle. 2019, Jimmy Garoppolo to George Kittle. 2021, Matt Stafford to Hooper Cup. 2021, Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. 2021, Garoppolo to Debo Samuel. 2022, Tua to both Waddle and to Tyreek Hill. Now, when, now, now they didn't average that over the season because Tua went down. And when Tua went down, their averages dropped. But if you're talking about just quarterback, two pass catcher combinations, Tua to Waddle and to Tyreek Hill averaged over three yards per attempt. But Waddle's average went down tremendously when they had to replace Tua. Uh, but Tyreek Hill so damn good. His, his average did not drop. <laughs> he stayed right up there. Mm-hmm. He led the league at 3.2 yards per route run. Now, what do these offenses have in common? All right, because you're talking about a lot of different offenses. I went and looked at the play callers for all of these offenses, all these instances to average over three yards per route run. In 2018, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, Steve Sarkeesian. 2018, Nick Mullins to George Kittle, that's Shano. 2019, Garoppolo to George Kittle, that's Shano. 2021, Matt Stafford to Cooper Cup, that's Sean McVay. 2021, Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams, Matt LaFleur. 2021, Garoppolo to Debo Samuel, Shano. 2022, Tua to Waddle and Tariq Hill, Mike McDaniels. They are the only offenses to have quarterback pass catcher connections average more than three yards per route run in the last five years, and damn near all of them are connected to the Shanahan clan and the tree. Three from Shana, uh, from Kyle Shanahan himself, two by Mike McDaniels, who coached under Shano forever, uh, one from Matt LaFleur, also part of the Shanahan clan, the coaching tree, yep. Sean McVay, also part of the Shanahan clan, the coaching tree, and then Steve Sarkeesian, who, not a part of the Shanahan clan, the coaching tree, but heavily influenced by them when he followed Kyle Shanahan with the Atlanta Falcons, and during that time when he's calling plays for Atlanta Falcons, he ends up on this list with Sean McVay and with Mike McDaniels, and with Matt LaFleur, and with Kyle Shanahan. That's a nice little group to be in, if you're Sark. And the reason that all of these offenses are able to average three yards over over three yards per route run um, and be prolific in these specific situations is because they all are heavily using pre-snap motion. All of them. They, because they're all heavily influenced by the Shanahan plan. They use it a lot. So getting to Texas really quickly. Uh, because we know it works, works at the NFL level, and we know why Sark uses a lot of it. And he's talked about how much he admires Sean McVay and Shannon Klein and Matt LaFleur and those offenses. And I've said on the show, the offense in the NFL that is most schematically um, linked or schematically likened to Sark's offense, um, I think it is Matt LaFleur's offense with Green Bay. Right. I think it, 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 if you just look at the principles of it and the, the different concepts, the conceptual signatures, it's probably most like Matt LaFleur's offense. But I digress. Here are the numbers for Sark's offense last year when he's targeting to motion. All right. So I didn't do plays that he had, um, plays that they basically had shifts of motions on because that's way too complicated because Sark has motion and shifts on 55% of his plays. I went with a stat anytime the quarterback targeted a player who shifted or went in motion prior to the snap or was in motion at the time of the snap, okay? 75% completion percentage for the quarterbacks. That's two different quarterbacks, by yep. the way. It still, it still fits. 8.8 yards per attempt, damn near 8.9. You're at 8.86. Um, your, your first down touchdown rate, I love it. You're at 39%. First down touchdown rate. That means 39% of the time you targeted a player who was in motion at the time of the snap or before the snap or shifted before the snap, 
39% of the time, that target resulted in a first down or a touchdown. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Let me let me ask you this. 39% of the time. Every time you threw the ball, 39% yep, of the yep. time you threw it at the target that was in motion before, prior to the snap or at the time of the snap, it resulted in a first down or a touchdown. Do you think that's because of the fact that people aren't going in motion with them as hard as the players running? No, it's just leverage. It happens yep. everywhere. It's just like no, it's like it's the same thing. Turn. Think about the Super Bowl and what the Philadelphia Eagles and the two touchdowns they gave up. Yep. Right? Yep. With the with the motion, the miscommunication it causes. Yep. Brian Harsley's always say motion causes emotion. And you want emotional defenders because when you're emotional, what are you not doing? You're, you're not, not thinking yeah, correctly. Exactly. You're yes, not right. making good decisions. That's why, that's why people tell you don't make decisions when you're emotional. Don't make a decision right after a funeral, right after you have sex. Don't make a big decision when you no. do that because you're emotional. Don't yeah. do it. You want to separate yourself from that emotion. And, and motion basically causes emotion. And I can tell you right now, defenders freak out when somebody emotions because our responsibilities change, the defense changes, the coverage changes, the strength changes, everything. And we start freaking out. Mm. And we start yelling and screaming at one another because we want to make sure. Too much happening, too much happening. Exactly. Everybody yeah. understands what responsibilities have changed. So my point is that Sark's offense his emotion is almost like a vital sign, right? It's like a vital sign. Vital signs for people, whether it be your pulse or whether mm-hmm. it be your uh, heart rate or your body temperature, blood pressure, that kind of thing. His, one of the vital signs of his offense is pre-snap motion. If you don't see a lot of it, that's unhealthy. When you see a lot of it, that means Sark's feeling good. He's amped up. It's like a heart rate, basically. It's the pulse of the offense. And I looked at explosive play rate. You got a 21% explosive play rate. So every time, 21% of the time, you target a player that was in motion prior to snap, before the snap, results in explosive play, 15-yard play. So it, it works all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, and and my, honestly, my only recommendation was Sark to be use more of it. Yeah, I think you should use more of it. You should motion more and use more of it. And hopefully this year you do see more of it. But it is interesting that it all is linked. Anybody close to that Shanahan clan, man, they learn the uh, really the asset that pre-snap motion can be and learn its effectiveness pretty quickly. Sark is uh, no different. All right, we'll come back. We'll get into off the record right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful Horn. All right, welcome back. Hey, this is the song. Did, did you did you did you call an audible? I called an audible. Oh, thank you, Patrick. Patrick, where to go, PD? The idealionaire Patrick Davis. Uh, usually on a Thursday, he plays songs that are supposed to give Harge and I clues, breadcrumbs that lead us to the new theme of the day. Uh, the new theme of the day actually is about friends because it's National Best Friend Day. Hey, buddy. Um, and originally, I don't think Patrick planned to play I did not, no, but you, it, it has a better idea than what was going to be on this slide. <laughs> yeah, because so it's, it's, really, it's, like, it's called Friends. It's like the most famous hip-hop song about friends. It is. It's pretty good. I, I like that. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate that very, very much. Uh, see, it's hard to be is for being a fool. You like <laughs> to be with some because they're funny. <laughs> you like to come around when you need some money. Uh, hard to <laughs> to bust out some cardboard. <laughs> see? Exactly. Yeah. Like, this is hard just heyday yeah. a little this bit. This is right? my heyday. <laughs> I had the Houdini tape. I had man. to flip that thing over. Huh. Yeah, I had to wear that thing out, baby. Man, what's yeah. the kind of hat that with a cane goes? Oh, yeah, there? yeah. Oh, he had, the, the he had that cane. little yeah. that hat on. 
Looking like the last rock doing the ride. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well done. All right. That was well worth it. Thank you very much, Patrick, the idea you know on a new theme Thursday. All right, guys. I I did not believe this story when uh, Harge brought it up. I thought he was making something. I was like, Harge, what are you talking about? No, sir. Quit making up stuff. This is not true. Apparently, it is true. And it is, un- well, it's being reported uh, by the New York Post and page six. So I'll just th- throw that out there. That the singer, Khalees, who is famous for the Milkshake song. Mm-hmm. I believe she's a one-hit wonder for the most no, part. No, no, no. She had another one. I'm, what was the other one? I'm Bossy. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I do kind of remember that Yeah. Okay. And she originally, if I'm Two not hit wonder, mistaken, Two-hit wonder. she has a baby by Nas. Because remember, she, she does. Yes. She does yes. have a baby by now. You are correct about that. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. And you are. Right. They do say bossy in this article. So yeah. they mention her yeah. second hit. Yeah. Don't have me, uh, yeah, don't have me disrespect the yeah, woman. Make sure her you give, her, give her her two songs. Yeah, because apparently <laughs> this star wouldn't date her if she was a one hit wonder. <laughs> so Khalees is 43 and reportedly ba- dating Bill Murray, who is 72. Hey, look at my shirt. Wow! It's the Bill Murray collection. That's the Bill shirt. Murray. That's right. Go. That's right. Good for you, Bill Murray. Yeah. And Khalees still looks good. I oh, mean, yeah. she's still thick with it. Her, I mean, her and sure bring the boys to the yard. And you know she gets down. Oh, I mean, for sure. based on the song, mm-hmm. Milkshake brings out the boys to the yard. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Do we? Does uh, Bill Murray get more points or? Or are we taking away points for no, this? No, I'm giving him points. Get more points for oh, this. for sure. Does if Khalees... we're talking about Robert De Niro and uh, Al Pacino having babies late, <laughs> let my man go out there and get it popping as much as he can. Um, does Khalees lose points here? <sighs> <laughs> so Bill Murray's gaining points, but she's losing them. Well, I do mean. cancel each other out? I think it, it goes a little bit even right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? Bill Murray is... I mean, he's still, he's really famous. Mm-hmm. And he's really, I he's mean. Re- and, and, and he's, he's really rich. He's making gear. He's making bank. Yes. Um, he's still I mean, funny. he's probably pretty funny. I think Are Ghostbusters women? came out 38, yeah. Yeah, 38 years ago or yeah, something like not that. Women love us since human. You're right. Yeah. It is. I mean, I think it is the anniversary of Ghostbusters. Yeah. So give it up for Bill Murray, man. I got to tell I, you. I'm, I'm proud of him. I am proud. I'm a little yeah. surprised, though. I didn't think Khalees was his type. Well, who is he dating the other like uh, singers and, and like entertain like like singers or rappers? Uh, not that I know of because I've been like seeing this on front page. Yeah, like I don't even his type. Uh, what is his type? His type is usually like kind of nondescript. He didn't date like starlets really a lot. Did a lot of starlets. Oh yeah, I forgot. CB just sent us up right. She had that other song. I hate you so much right now. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking about does he date like singers? I've and, never seen him with a singer. I don't think he dates like singers and like those types of entertainment. He I might date he like was, Hollywood starlets. I, I was just about to say I thought he was dating a Hollywood starlet at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little surprised. I'm, I mean, I'm happy for uh for him though. Good for him. Oh man, he got game. He got game. He does have game. I just still seventy two and forty three. Mm-hmm. She old enough to know what she doing. Miss Parker know what she doing. Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. These stories about these older men dating. What do you call an older man? Women are like considered cougars, and then if they're too old. We call them saber two tigers. What's an old man? What's an older <laughs> you man? Call, you call them what? They're cougars if they're like in their forties. They're yeah. like saber two tigers if they're in their sixties. Yeah. I think she's a puma in her fifties. <laughs> she's a she's a saber tooth in her sixties. 
what do we call a man? She's a saber tooth in her 60s. Right? Okay, I got it. You're still I sexy. You. You're a saber. Yeah, yeah. You, you long in the tooth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you long in the tooth, baby. You sexy, though. I'll give it to you, but it's a lot of oh Westlake. It's a lot of Westlake saber tooths I've seen in the Westlake HEB. Yeah. Hey, you, you saber tooth, baby. Yeah. I will still hunt you down, girl. Okay. You still got it. Okay. But what do we call a man? Who's an older man who's uh, you know dating younger women? Uh, creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna go with, I said silver fox. <laughs> I was gonna go with lucky. <laughs> lucky yeah, is a good okay, one. Okay. I'm gonna go rich like usually. Rich. I like that. Yeah. Usually you got money. Have we dated? Have any been any of these dudes have been like I don't know middle class to below middle class, lower middle class that can get a much younger woman like this? Does that ever no. happen? You know, I don't, there's not like dirtbag seventy year olds that are just yeah, like, like still pulling. Yeah, like a broke dude in his sixties or seventies. He's just you know living check to check, and he's able to get a woman that's twenty hey, hey, years babe, younger babe, than him. Can, yeah. I, can you give me twenty? Never ha- It will never happen. Can you give me twenty? I gotta get my prescriptions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll never happen. No, no, no. It's not the way things work. Somebody said old bulls. Old bulls. Or sugar daddies. Someone says, there you go. Horn dog. <laughs> <laughs> a walrus. I like that, Chad. That's good. The walrus is great. I like that. A uh, walrus. I like that. Uh, older guy's a sugar daddy. Of course. There's yep. a website for it. It's a yep. dating app. Yep. Sugardaddies.com. I think Austin used to be one of the top cities in America for sugar daddies. Let me see. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, sugar, the sugar babies at, yeah. on the campus. There you go. Yeah. I don't know if it still is, though. I'm about to find out. <laughs> you better watch it, mate. No, I'm you just better, You better watch it, mate. I'm just looking at the site. I want to see a, a hard account <laughs> no, on sugardaddy.com. No, you'll never see that. Of be like, I was hacked. Ashley Madison. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll come back. We'll got, uh, we got a report from Horns 24-7 that uh, Coach Steven might have been tipping his plays. We'll what? discuss right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 Horns.